0: This is the Bible Book Club, where each episode we dive deep into the only book written 2,000 years ago that can still change your life today. Welcome to the club.
1: Hey, Susan, are we still going to law school today? (laughs) Oh, mm, yeah, we are. Just a little bit. But then we're going to finish Exodus. And we can't wait for you guys to go back to law school and do Leviticus with us. Leviticus is going to be interesting. I've been lost in Leviticus for two weeks now, and i I've had some Bible, I've had a major Bible bender. I will say that we're going to get into it later. But today we finish Exodus, and I kind of feel like we're not really finishing a book because we're going to stay with Moses for so long after this that it feels like just the closing of a chapter.
0: Well. Last episode was the next to last closing of the chapter, Mm -hmm. and it was law school. Man, we learned a lot about building the tabernacle, worshiping on the Sabbath, all the things that God is calling the Israelites to do, all with the purpose of helping them understand that they need to love other people. Yes, And um, God starts over. He starts over with the Sabbath and the construction of the tabernacle, and also in the last episode, We got all the way to chapter 37, which is basically the construction of the
1: tabernacle, exactly how they're supposed to. So it was really engineering school and (laughs) it was law school. Exactly. So in Exodus 25 through 31, we covered the building of it. And then we had that whole thing about the Sabbath. Then we had the calf rebellion for just two chapters and they totally bombed out. We really weren't kind of sure what was going to happen next because God was a little tense on them. And now we're back into the Sabbath and then the construction. All right, so last episode we ended in chapter 37 and we had just completed the beginning of the construction of the tabernacle. From verse from chapters 35 to 37 is what we covered last episode. Now remember, way back in 25 through 31, we completed the instructions. They weren't really constructing it. God was telling them how to build it. Then we had the calf problem and now they're actually building it and we are going to finish the construction of the tabernacle this week. It is a really big deal. So try to read it like as if you were them and when you listen to us because it was a super big deal to them. Moses is going to inspect it And then lastly, God is going to complete it with his presence. So let's finish picking up in chapter 38. We are constructing the altar of burnt offering and the courtyard. And this section parallels what we read in chapters 27 through 30 and discussed in episodes 18 through 20. So I'm not going to give a lot of commentary about it. We're just going to read the construction. Chapter 38. They built
0: the altar of burnt offering of acacia wood, three cubits high. It was square, five cubits long, and five cubits wide. They made a horn at each of the four corners so that the horns and the altar were of one piece, and they overlaid the altar with bronze. They made all its utensils of bronze, its pots, shovels, sprinkling bowls, meat forks, fire pans. They made a grating for the altar, a bronze network to be under its ledge, Halfway up the altar, they cast bronze rings to hold the poles. Of the four corners of the bronze grating, they made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with bronze. They inserted the poles into the ring so that they would be on the sides of the altar for carrying it. They made it hollow
1: out of boards. So basically they made a big old barbecue grill. Exactly. <laughs> Next, they're going to build the basin for washing. And you can compare this to Exodus 30, starting in chapter, in verse 17 and episode 20. Verse
0: 8, they made the bronze basin and its bronze stand from the mirrors of the woman who served at the
1: entrance of the tent of meeting. Now, remember, both the altar and the basin are bronze because they're located in the courtyard, which is not as special and the materials used to make the furnishings reflect the levels of holiness of the tabernacle rooms. In this short section, we get added information that the bronze came from the mirrors of the women, interestingly enough.
0: I wonder if they were kind of mad about that. Like, like,
1: how am I supposed to make sure my hair looks good no, before I go into I think church it was, now? It was more a sacrifice for them. In ancient civilization, mirrors were not made of glass, but polished bronze. And it doesn't tell us how these women served just that They personally sacrificed their vanity to the bronze basin for washing. I would have been mad about that. (laughs) Next, the courtyard. Compare this to Exodus 27,
0: starting in verse 9. Next, they made the courtyard. The south side was 100 cubits long and had curtains of finely twisted linen, With twenty posts and twenty bronze bases and with silver hooks and bands on the posts. The north side was also a hundred cubits long and had twenty posts and twenty bronze bases with silver hooks and bands on the posts. The west end was fifty cubits wide and had curtains with ten posts and ten bases with silver hooks and bands on the posts. The east end, toward the sunrise, was also fifty cubits wide. Curtains fifteen cubits long were on one side of the entrance with three posts and three basins, and curtains fifteen cubits long were on the other side. Side of the entrance to the courtyard with three posts and three bases. All the curtains around the courtyard were finely twisted linen. The bases for the posts were bronze. The hooks and bands of the posts were silver, and their tops were overlaid with silver, so all the posts in the courtyard had silver bands. The curtain for the entrance to the courtyard was made of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen, the work of an embroiderer. It was 20 cubits long, and like the curtains of the courtyard, five cubits high, with four posts and four bronze bases. Their hooks and bands were silver, and their tops were overlaid with silver. All the tent pegs of the tabernacle and of the surrounding
1: courtyard were bronze. All right, so if all those qubits are making you crazy, remember you can go back to our show notes and we have a diagram of just how big this courtyard was and it was very cool, if you'll remember, if you were with us that they it, it was very symmetrical and there were the different kind of geometric pieces fit together so it's it's cool to look at that diagram we'll put it again in the show notes i kind of like how they mentioned that there
0: was an end toward the sunrise it kind of makes me mm. feel like they were having a whole bunch of sunrise services because gosh who can't <laughs> look at the sunrise and think about God. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of cool. And I also was thinking, well, everything was all polished. There was silver and bronze, so they can fix their hair. So I guess
1: I would have given up my mirror. There you go. And really, if you're living in a tent, who needs a mirror anywhere because your hair is never going to look good. (laughs) So and they were living in tents. And that's another thing you get from kind of looking at the diagrams is that the tabernacle was at the center of the camp. And we'll get into it later. But different tribes were to the east, west, north and south of the camp. But they were like they lived in Tents. And so it was just hundreds of thousands of tents around this ginormous tabernacle. Next, we're going to get a description of the material used to build the tabernacle. And some of this is new to us. Verse 21
0: These are the amounts of the materials used for the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the covenant law which were recorded at Moses' command by the Levites under the direction of Ithmar, son of Aaron, the priest. Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made everything the Lord commanded Moses. With him was Oliab, son of Ashamak, of the tribe of Dan, an engraver and designer, and an embroiderer in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen. The total amount of the gold from the wave offering used for all the work on the sanctuary was 29 talents and 730 shekels, according to the sanctuary shekel. The silver obtained from those of the community who were counted in the census was 100 talents and 1,775 shekels, according to the sanctuary shekel. One beca per person, that is half a shekel, According to the sanctuary shekel, from everyone who had crossed over to those counted 20 years old or more, a total of 603,550 men. The 100 talents of silver were used to cast the bases for the sanctuary and for the curtain, 100 bases from the 100 talents, one talent for each base. They used the 1,775 shekels to make the hooks for the posts, to overlay the tops of the posts, and to make their bands. The bronze from the wave offering was 70 talents and 2,400 shekels. They used it to make the basis for the entrance to the tent of meeting, the bronze altar with its bronze grating, and with all its utensils, the basis for the surrounding courtyard and those for its entrance and all the tent pegs for the tabernacle and those for the surrounding courtyard.
1: That's a lot of shekels, so I'm gonna do some math for you so you understand the significance of all this. The precious metal total for the tabernacle equates to about 2,200 pounds of gold, 7,500 pounds of silver, and five thousand three hundred pounds of bronze, over fifteen thousand pounds of metal, which sounds like a lot, but if you kinda averaged it out per male, it would have been a quarter of a pound. However, when you think of them moving all this through the desert with only, I guess, camels, donkeys, horses, I don't know what, it it was a mammoth Undertaking This calculation of the total number of men over 20, this 603,550, matches the number of men given in numbers 146. So it's a solid number of adult males. And therefore, that's how they they kind of justify throughout that there were probably 2 million in total population when you think of, you know, males under the age of 20 and then women. And children and right. servants and whatever. Else. Right. So it is 2 million people camped around this tabernacle. I cannot picture that. I just don't know how they moved them all and announced that. Well, and I was also thinking
0: as I was reading through that these are the wave offerings and that's what they used to build all this stuff, how important it is. So it could have seemed when we were in law school last episode or the episode before, I don't remember which one was the wave offering, but we're learning about these offerings, right? There's a purpose and a reason for offering and that applies to us today. There's a reason that we tithe and God loves a cheerful giver. It says that in the Bible. And we do it because there's no way to be able to do all of God's work without the faithful people that'll tithe.
1: Exactly, exactly. So the tabernacle has been constructed. It's not put together yet, but all the pieces are there. And now it's time to create the priest's garments. Of course, we ta- we got the instructions to create the priest's garments a-, a while ago. Now, starting in chapter 39, they're actually going to create them. And this compares to what we read in chapter 28.
0: Chapter 39, from the blue, purple, and scarlet yarn they made woven garments for ministering in the sanctuary. They also made sacred garments for Aaron, as the Lord commanded Moses. First, the ephod compares to Exodus 28 6. They made the ephod of gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarn and of finely twisted linen. They hammered out thin sheets of gold and cut strands to be worked. Into the blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen, the work of skilled hands. They made shoulder pieces for the ephod, which were attached to two of the corners so it could be fastened. Its skillfully woven waistband was like it, of one piece with the ephod and made with gold, with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and with finely twisted linen, as the Lord commanded Moses they mounted the onyx stones in gold filigree settings and engraved them like a seal with the names of the sons of Israel. Then they fastened them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as memorial stones for the sons of Israel as the Lord commanded Moses.
1: And if you want a picture of that, again, we'll put in the show notes. We kind of put that in, I think somewhere around episode 19 um, and gave a little more detail on what all those jewels meant. Next comes the breast piece, which it compares to Exodus 28, 15. They fashioned the breast piece the work
0: of a skilled craftsman they made it like the ephod of gold and of blue and purple and scarlet yarn and of finely twisted linen it was square a span long and a span wide and folded double then they mounted four rows of precious stones on it the first row was carnelian chrysolite, and beryl the second row was turquoise lapis lazul and emerald the third row was jaseth agate and amethyst The fourth row was topaz, onyx, and jasper. They were mounted in gold filigree settings. There were 12 stones, one for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved like a seal with the name of one of the 12 tribes. For the breast piece, they made braided chains of pure gold, like a rope, They made two gold filigree settings and two gold rings and fastened the rings to two of the corners of the breast piece. They fastened the two gold chains to the rings at the corners of the breast piece and the other ends of the chains to the two settings "'attaching them to the shoulder pieces "'of the ephod at the front. "'They made two gold rings "'and attached them to the other two corners "'of the breast piece on the front end of the ephod. "'Then they made two more gold rings "'and attached them to the bottom of the shoulder pieces "'on the front of the ephod, "'close to the seam just above the waistband of the ephod. "'They tied the rings of the breast piece "'to the rings of the ephod with blue cord, "'connecting it to the waistband "'so that the breast piece would not swing out "'from the ephod as the Lord commanded,
1: Moses. Then are other priestly garments, which you can compare to Exodus 28, starting in verse 31. They made the robe of the ephod entirely
0: of blue cloth, the work of a weaver with an opening in the center of the robe, like the opening of a collar and a band around this opening so that it would not tear. They made pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen around the hem of the robe. And they made bells of pure gold and attached them around the hem between the pomegranates. The bells and pomegranates alternated around the hem of the robe to be worn for ministering as the Lord commanded Moses. For Aaron and his sons, They made tunics of fine linen, the work of a weaver, and the turban of fine linen, the linen caps, and the undergarments of finely twisted linen. The sash was made of finely twisted linen and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, the work of an embroiderer, as the Lord commanded Moses. They made the plate, the sacred emblem, out of pure gold, engraved on it like an inscription on a seal, holy to the Lord." Then they fastened a blue cord
1: to it to attach it to the turban as the Lord commanded Moses. Everything is ready. Every piece for the tabernacle, every pole, every furnishing, and then all the priestly garments, everything is ready. And so next, the tabernacle passes inspection. The work is complete. It's time for Moses to inspect what they've done. So all the work on the tabernacle, the
0: tent of meeting was completed. The Israelites did everything just as the Lord commanded Moses. Then they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent and all its furnishing, its clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the covering of ram skins dyed red, the covering of another durable leather and the shielding curtain, the Ark of the Covenant law with its poles and the atonement cover, the table with all its articles and the bread of the presence, the pure gold lampstand with its row of lamps and all its accessories and the olive oil for the light The gold altar, the anointing oil, the fragrant incense, and the curtain of entrance to the tent. The bronze altar with its bronze grating, its poles, all the utensils, the basin with the stand, the curtains of the courtyard with its posts and bases, and the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard." The ropes and tent pegs for the courtyard, all the furnishings for the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and the woven garments worn for ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments for his sons when serving as priests. The Israelites had done all the work just as the Lord commanded Moses. Moses inspected the work and saw that they had done it just as the Lord commanded. So, Moses blessed them. The Israelites did it. Yeah, and I feel like Moses (laughs) keeps going, they did it just like, like it's almost like they
1: redeemed themselves from that horrible calf incident. See, they can do it. They can follow (laughs) direction. Look, God, they did it. They did it. Certainly, after the calf incident, Moses must have doubted many times if the Israelites could build the tabernacle, or if God would even allow them to build the tabernacle. But the Israelites made a radical turnaround. They obeyed, and so they are blessed. And there is a theme to these verses, and it is this, that obedience leads to blessing. Every item completed is followed by the words, I hope you heard Heather say them over and over, as the Lord commanded Moses or as the Lord commanded him. It is stated nine times in chapter 39 and eight times in chapter 49. 40. The Israelites obeyed as they were commanded. It was just that simple. They turned from rebellion and obeyed, proving that anyone who has offended God or sinned can be forgiven and used by God if they are willing to obey. Now, I just want us to think about this. What could God do through us If we made this our MO, and Susan did just as the Lord commanded, and Heather did just as the Lord commanded, because blessings follow obedience. But the reality is obedience is not easy, but it is possible. If the Israelites could do it, certainly we can't. Because after that calf incident, I would have just wanted to go crawl under a rock. Well, they've redeemed themselves and so can we. That's right. The creation of the tabernacle also mimics the creation of the world. So again, we have one of those recreation themes going here. And it's kind of cool because remember, this is a new way of life for them. This is a new beginning. And so, of course, it it mimics the new world that God created when he created our world. So in verse 32, it says, all the work was completed, which directly correlates to Genesis 2, 2 that says, God finished the work. And the reason people correlate them together is because it uses the same Hebrew root word for finished as for completed. So it's the same thing. The work was completed. God completed his work. In verse 43, it says, Moses, in Inspected the work. Similarly, in Genesis 1, God sees each thing created and declares that it is good. Both verses use the same root for see as for inspect. It's the same word. Then, lastly, in verse 43, it says that Moses blessed them. Similarly, in Genesis 1, 22, and 28, and 2, 3, God blesses his creation. So, good work is blessed by God. And it all mimics, in this case, this new, this This new tabernacle they're creating, this new beginning, mimics the the creation of the world. All of the materials and furnishings have been assembled. It is time for Moses to set this grand tent up for the first time ever. And the tabernacle opens for worship in chapter 40, where we have a description of the setting up of the tabernacle. Then the Lord said to Moses, Set
0: up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. Place the Ark of the Covenant law in it. "'and shield the Ark with a curtain. "'Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. "'Then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps.' Place the gold altar of incense in front of the ark of the covenant law, and put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. Place the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it. Set up the courtyard around it, and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it and all its furnishings, and it will be holy. Then anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils. Consecrate the altar and it. It will be most holy. Anoint the basin and And it stand and consecrate them. Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then dress Aaron in the sacred garments, anoint him and consecrate him so he may serve me as priest. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics, anoint them just as you anointed their father, so they may serve me as priest. Their anointing will be to a priesthood that will continue throughout their generations. Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him, So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month in the second year. When Moses set up the tabernacle... He put the bases in place, erected the frames, inserted the crossbars, and set up the posts. Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering over the tent as the Lord commanded him. He took the tablets of the covenant law and placed them in the ark, attached the poles to the ark, and put the atonement cover over it. Then he brought the ark into the tabernacle and hung the shielding curtain and shielded the ark of the covenant law as the Lord commanded him. Moses placed the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the curtain. And set out the bread on it before the Lord, as the Lord commanded him. He placed the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord, as the Lord commanded him. Moses placed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the curtain, a burned fragrant incense on it, as the Lord commanded him. Then he put up the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offering near the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, "'and offered on it burnt offerings and grain offerings "'as the Lord commanded him. "'He placed the basin between the tent of meeting "'and the altar and put water in it for washing.' and Moses and Aaron and his sons used it to wash their hands and feet. They washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting and approached the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar and put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. So
1: Moses finished the work. The setting up of the tabernacle is a momentous new stage for Israel, a new stage in the people's relationship with God. He is now going to dwell among them and move with them as they leave Sinai. The tabernacle setup mimics the beginning of the world. Kind of before I said this is a recreation theme. God is highlighting this new beginning in his very favorite way. In verse 2, it says, Set up the tabernacle on the first day of the first month. In Genesis one five, God began setting up the world on the first day, the day he created light. Additionally, the tabernacle is being created exactly one year After the nation of Israel was created, the calendar the Israelites follow was created exactly one year ago when the nation of Israel was created after they were delivered from Egypt. Another new beginning in their life. The timeline for this year went like this. The people spent three months traveling to Mount Sinai from Egypt. Moses had two 40-day periods, remember, on the mountain. Remember? Because he went up the first time and and he got the covenant. And and then he came down. And and (laughs) And then he had to go back up for another 40 days. Um so that equates to another 3 months if you count like a couple more trips before that even. Then that left that about six months to build and assemble the tabernacle. So all that work you just write about took about six months. And so the first day of the first month of this second year is where we are now. And that is the day the tabernacle was finished being created. Now, one last nod to the recreation theme. This section of verses ends with, and so Moses finished the work, just as God finished the work of creation in Genesis. So God constantly does this, this kind of recreation theme that mimics his perfect idea of how the world was created and that he wants to bring us back to that perfect world, that paradise. The completed tabernacle stands in the middle of the camp, like I mentioned before, and there must have been a great deal of just breathless anticipation what next we've been working what do we do now well plus they had very detailed description of what they were supposed right. to do up till then so and there's not much else happening in this camp that I can imagine of two million people other than this big deal like all the gold all the silver everything is going into this so I I don't know if like they all gathered for the putting together of it just to see what it would look like from the outside because we know they can't go inside we're all two million of them just standing there, just like waiting, like, okay, God, what next? If they build it, will he come? I mean, is that was like, like field of dreams? Like, okay, we followed all your instructions. We did it to the letter of the law. What's going to happen? And God does not disappoint. The presence of God inhabits the tabernacle.
0: Well, I'd like to think that they kind of knew he wasn't going to disappoint because they'd already made those mistakes a few times. And they're not going to make that same mistake again. They've learned from their past and they have seen all the miracles that God had produced up until then. And they just kind of knew that when they built it, he was
1: going to come. Except I still would be nervous because remember, watching him come upon the mountain was like earth shattering. There were earthquakes and clouds. And so I would say that, yes. I would be standing there, but I wouldn't be too close. I'd kind of want to be in the comfort of the middle and maybe have an exit strategy. Faith, but not too much faith. Exactly. Or just like, you know, then they've seen Moses come down glowing, like what form, how is this going to happen But God does not disappoint. And and he comes down in the form of the now familiar to us, the cloud. In verse 34,
0: Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. "...in all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted." So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels.
1: All right, here's what we know about this cloud that I have come to love. And as I've said before, I wish I had a cloud. I want to be like Olaf. (laughs) (laughs) And have a little cloud that I can follow around that just sprinkles, maybe not snow, but for those of you who don't know who Olaf is, because not everybody has kids (laughs) or grandkids. Come on.
0: That's the frozen movie the princess frozen movie and uh, Elsa creates a cloud for him
1: so he can have summer and he's a little uh, what is he a snowman he's a snowman. Is a snowman okay it was not a cloud as we know clouds but was the only Hebrew word that came close to describing it it is not a cloud it's not really a cloud like we know but it looked like a cloud um, we know it was different because it gave light and heat The Israelites by night and protection from the desert sun by day. And I'm speaking of when the cloud is gonna lead them across the desert. So just know that this cloud was not made of water particles as we know clouds to be. But to them it looked like a cloud, and that's why they called it that. It was a powerful symbol of God's presence just as the cloud filled the tabernacle, it will do the same again in the temple. When Solomon creates it in 1 Kings 8 verse 10, it says, When the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have indeed built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. Well, we know it wasn't forever because the temple was destroyed. But note that just as Moses could not enter the tabernacle and the priest could not the, the priests could not perform their duties in the temple because the cloud filled it. So the same cloud comes upon the temple when it's built and you know um they celebrated God dwelling in that what was it like what could it be compared to in modern day time well i think it did look like a cloud but it clearly was not made of water particles because at night and even when they were um you know facing the egyptians after they cro- they uh, were about to cross the red sea it was darkness to the to the egyptians but it was a light to them yeah it is a spiritual thing that we will never be able to explain because it's not part of our world, you know, the earth, it's nothing that exists in the earth organically. It was something that was a, a symbol of the Lord. It was how he inhabited without, you know, kind of zapping them with his presence, I guess. So the cloud will become a dominant force in Numbers and in Deuteronomy as the Israelites push toward Canaan. Now, the curtain has just closed on Exodus. Yes, that was our last verse that you read, Heather. But Moses, I (laughs) mean, will continue on in our story. Yes, the curtain is not going to close on Moses for a while. As the curtain closes and the first phase of Israel's story comes to an end, it's good news because God is visibly present with his people, as he promised, the world will never forget what God did for Israel in Egypt. Remember how many times he said that he wanted the people to remember. He wanted the world to know what he had done for, for Israel in Egypt, and they will. We're still reading about it. You just learned 2, about it. 2,000 years later. <laughs> 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. Nothing can stop the promise that God made to Abraham. This is a fulfillment. God promised Abraham he would make him a great nation, and this is the the beginning of that nation. Just like God created the world, he has now created this nation.
0: Well, and I will just say nothing can stop the promise that God made to Abraham. Nothing can stop the promise that he made to you either. Exactly. And so the way that you understand the promises that he makes to you is by doing just what you're doing now, which is reading the Bible. And you can read it by listening to us, or you can read it by reading it. Whichever way works for you, we are here for you because you got to know what
1: it says to be able to understand the promises that he's made over your life. And it works together so creatively, It's amazing. Additionally, nothing will keep Moses from faithfully leading his people to the promised land. This guy is rock solid. And although Moses is just a shadow of the promised Savior, Jesus Christ, he will lead the Israelites just as Christ, the word, leads us through the desert. The Israelites will follow the cloud just as through our desert experiences, we must follow the Holy Spirit until Israel reaches the promised land. And just as we will reach our promised Promise of eternal life. There is a parallel going on here in these books of the Pentateuch, the Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Parallel our lives. Exactly. Israel's Exodus as ours has a purpose to bring us closer to the presence of God. 23 episodes ago, when we started this Exodus journey, we discussed that Exodus is the story of how God delivered the Israelites from Egyptian oppression, created a covenant relationship with them at Mount Sinai, and then dwelt among them in the tabernacle. I hope each of those three things I just read to you, delivered them from oppression, created a covenant with them, and then dwelt among them means so much more to you now that you've studied with us, because we covered all three of those in very deep ways. So I'm hoping they have just exploded. And the other
0: thing that will mean a lot more to you now is the New Testament, because you will notice that a lot of these things that you now understand what they are because you've read it, they show up
1: in the New Testament and you never would have seen it before. Exactly. And when they referred back to it, you never would have understood it. You're like, what are they talking about? I hope you do now. And while that journey may be ending... The Exodus journey, that journey that we just had through that big book. For Moses, the Israelites, and all of us, another journey is about to begin. A journey that I have to be honest with you, I never thought I would personally take. One that until recently, I didn't think was worth my time, but a journey that has turned into a Bible bender journey for me, the journey into Leviticus. So we hope you will all
0: join us as we head into the next part of the journey of Bible Book Club season three, which is the book of Leviticus, that vast wilderness that we're gonna help navigate edited by Buck Buchanan, produced by Haley Mowat.